Welcome to the Marketer as Philosopher podcast. Our goal is to help you completely re-envision your role and your work as a marketer or entrepreneur. Now, here are your hosts, Flint McLaughlin, joining us from the rugged mountains of Wolf Creek, Montana, and Daniel Burstein, joining us from the beautiful beaches of Jacksonville, Florida. You know, Flint, when I was watching the session five fast class, I got reminded of- You actually famous- watch the classes? I'm sorry, Dan, but you watch I, those? I, it's part of my job. I have I to. I can't so. stand to see myself on those, anything I do. I just <laughs> go back and go over them. <laughs> Because <laughs> I want them to be right. But you have yeah, my deepest sympathy. The hardest thing is to watch yourself. Fortunately, I'm not watching me, so it's a little easier <laughs> for me. But, um, but I, got, I, th- I was thinking of Stephen Covey, you know, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And one of the things he said was, begin with the end in mind. And so it got me thinking, what we're talking about in the beginning of this course, I know we've kind of talked around this. We're not necessarily talking about the problems a marketer faces. We're talking about the problems a human being faces. And oh yeah, marketers are human beings. Yes. No, it's absolutely true. In fact, the best way to be uh, effective in marketing is to improve your authenticity as a human being. In the end, it's humanity that underscores communication. And it is uh, a deviation from authenticity that produces most of the problems in marketing. And you're speaking from a very positive side, but I was looking at it more from the side of, oh my gosh, as humans, we are so thoroughly flawed. (laughs) Anytime we're trying to achieve anything, we are so thoroughly flawed. But you know, Dan, the, the, the key to that word authenticity is that there is power in spite of our flaws when we're willing to, to own them. And this is true in the communication on a web page. I've seen over and over again that those pages which tend to present the best image of the company underperform. In fact, I don't want to belabor the point, but I was having a meeting recently with a a leader of one of the biggest fitness companies in the world. I just did his podcast. And he made an admission in the headline so different than what he did before and was shocked with the performance, with the conversion increase that came by owning some things that most supplement companies will not own. So I I, I think the problem we have is we try to present a flawless picture of ourselves instead of an honest picture of ourselves. And that happens- Optimization, right? Yeah, I mean, and this is true in my relationships. But when I say my relationships, I'm including my commercial relationships. They are still relationships. What we're going to go through today, session five was on customer first objectives, session five of the Become a Marketer Philosopher course. And we're going to go through today is a four-step, four-question framework to help you create better customer first objectives. But like I said in the beginning, hey, if you happen to be a human being listening, and other than maybe my daughter's cat, I think everyone's a human being listening, like... Think of this on two levels, too. As a person, as you go through your life, how can you ask these questions and help help improve your own objective? So, like I said, four-step framework. The beauty, I, I, will, I have to insult Flint a lot in this podcast just to keep that, just to keep him authentic. But I will say that one of the beauty, beautiful things about Flint is everything we do, I mean, I'm t- if, we're, if we're at a restaurant ordering off a menu, he's got a rubric and a four-step methodology and an approach and an outline and a, a heuristic I'm and stuff. I'm sorry. So. I, I apologize to the entire world. My so, other friend, you know, Dan's an old friend, but Cliff's been with me 40 years. And I remember when we were teenagers, him saying to me, you've got a system for everything. 
I don't know if that's a, a compliment or uh, an insult. It's probably both. Well, I will say as a podcast host and hopefully as a podcast listener, it is a very effective tool to be able to give our listeners something where we're not just talking about ideas and we're not just talking about, you know, our, us, ourselves as flawed humans and marketers, but really something to hang their hat on, to walk through step by step, to improve their own marketing. And, and as I said, our, our lives as human beings. So with that, let's jump in for yes, question framework. Well, so let me from, just say this, Dan, too, sure. as you're jumping in. Okay, so there is a broader four-question framework that enables one to accomplish things that are very difficult. We'll talk about that today. Then in that four-step framework, the first step, we call it Q1, is about identifying your real objective. We'll come back to that. And that has a three-part framework, which we taught. So really, the three-part framework from the FAST class number five uh, you should have already seen or heard that. If not, watch the fast class. There's no charge. But understand that that's, that ladders up into the first of four primary questions that we'll discuss in that four-part framework you keep referring to. Yeah, By the way, can, that seemed like a lot of words and didn't say very much. Forgive me, but I hope you get the idea. <laughs> yeah, and you can go to mechlabs.com slash course to well, meclabs.com slash course. Everything's freely available. You can watch a course. You don't even have to register. But let's jump into this four-question framework to help everyone listening form a customer-first objective for their pages. And question one really, I think, also kind of helps sets up the whole point of why we need this framework. Question one is, what is my real objective? So what do you mean by that, Flynn? Well, I think it took a long time to get every word of that just right. And I developed this framework prior to the advent of the internet, at least in public life, and the potential to use it as a key tool across these four questions. But I have discovered that most of us fail because we have never clearly gotten beneath what we say we're doing to our true, to our real objective. Uh, in, the, in Greek, Aristotle talked about a telos, ta, uh, tau, epsilon, lama, omicron, sigma. You could pronounce it a couple of different ways depending on your... Uh, your conviction or your belief regarding how those ancient letters were uh, were articulated. But I'll tell you this, the point is very good because he was aiming towards that reason beneath the reason, the why beneath the why. You are doing a podcast, but why? You might say, because uh, it's part of my job, but why do you do this job? And you might say, because I want to support my family, but why do you support your family, etc. And there's a chain of whys. Aristotle understood that you could help to define who you were by getting deeper into that chain and understanding the why beneath the why. Now, Dan, let me just slide over to web pages. I have sat in room after room around the world and asked people, what's the objective of this page? And then I listened to a combination of confusion and conflict because there was not a well-defined objective. And even if they could state one, they didn't really agree to the real objective. And often the page itself represented a compromise between warring parties. It was like a real estate turf war with mitigated focus. Well, here, I think that's another challenge with objectives when you don't know the real objective is you just kind of go to the one that best fits uh, your own self-interest, right? So uh, for what I see with a lot of landing pages is it just goes, they're just trying to sell something right away, right? Like, yes. We've seen this over and over with tests where it's, you know, there's a buy now button and you just change it to a learn more button and, and it, it totally increases results. 
Yeah, somebody, to your point, Dan, somebody listening right now says, well, I know what my page is. I, 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 subjective, I want to sell something. I want to sell X. But the reality is uh, that, that process involves a whole series of micro yeses with individual objectives that have to be understood as they ladder up to the primary objective. If you don't know what they are and if you haven't defined them well, you're not ready to design a page yet. Yeah, because a lot of times people aren't ready for that, that final yes, for that final sale. So We take shortcuts. I'll tell you right now, just one hour of deep thinking prior to beginning your work on a page could transform your results. Because once, you, if, once you've got the first objective, which is, or the first question answered, what is my real objective? Only then can you begin to ask and answer the second question. Read it for us, Dan, and let me show you how the two come together. Question two is, what is the most effective way to achieve it? Now, the key here is that there's a modifier in that sentence, most effective. We always ask for a way. But without the modifier, most effective, we settle for a way to get the job done, typically by copying somebody else's way to get the job done, which produces the same compromise result for us as it did for them. In fact, further iterations in copying a flaw produce greater flaws. And so our page typically doesn't do as well as the bad page we just copied. The question, what is the most effective way, demands that we dig deeper and we ask harder questions. And whether we know it or not, that way, so to speak, is the beginning of a plan. And in the course, I'm going to teach you how to plan a page. We don't plan. We just do terrible mistake. But that's the beginning of a plan, which leads to the third question. And we can come back and discuss all of these, but I'm trying to help people see how they all connect, if that makes sense, Dan. Sure, sure. So let's briefly mention the third and fourth question. Then I want to go back to kind of that idea of the real objective, the most effective way to achieve it, because I have a very good marketing case study for it, Flint. But uh, so Q, <laughs> good. Q3. Stay tuned. Is what Dan is, is going to wow you. <laughs> yeah. Wait to hear this. So Q3 is what is the best way to test Q2? So what is the best way to test if you have the most effective way to achieve your objective? And then Q4, question four, is what shall I change in light of my test? What shall I change in Q1 to Q3 in light of my test? All right, so you've identified your real objective. You've, you've hazarded an idea. You've put together what may be the most effective way, but you don't know that for sure. Now, I, again, began to think about this as a young philosopher prior to the internet. And then when I realized what the internet might enable, I became very excited because it was a way to answer this question. What is the best way to test my plan, my answer to Q2? Now, listen, the proper structuring of a test reduces risk and increases the payday of learning. And when we aggregate learnings through a design of experiments, we can often achieve a deeper knowing than we could have ever gotten with a try. Most of us have an idea and a try. That's a terrible way to run your life, much less your business. And so testing is a necessary evil in a world where we lack wisdom. The ultimate goal of a test is wisdom. And the, the design of the test should produce the maximum payload of wisdom. Which, uh, Dan, 
read that fourth question again, and let me show you how that connects. And then we can go back and talk about all of these together. So the fourth question again is, what shall I change in light of my test in question one through question three? So I run this series of tests typically. And in that series, I discover that I didn't get the result I wanted. I can tell you there's only one of three things wrong. Either, let's go backwards. I didn't design the test right, and so the results I got are flawed. I see this in about 80% of the experiments I review for major brands. Two, we had a poor plan, i.e., your page is a plan, whether you recognize it or not. We call it a hypothesis, and we test it. Or three, we had the wrong objective to start with. For instance, maybe we built a brilliant page based on the fact that they're at this point X in the funnel, but in truth, they're not that far along in their sequence of thought. And so no matter how well we did, we still did the wrong thing. As Peter Drucker would say, it's not just a matter of doing things right, it's a matter of doing the right thing. So the fourth question essentially goes back and forces you to examine either your objective or your way, that's your plan, or your test. One of these three or more of these three need to be adjusted until you achieve the final result that you were aiming at. Yeah, good point. Well, let's you know, give an example for each one. So here's my example. I brought a marketing case study for that first question, what is my real objective? Like I said, it's so often that companies they just go ahead and they try to sell something, whether the person is ready or not. And so I bring a case study from the best natural marketer I know, my 18-year-old daughter. And I think if you want to study marketing, I don't have any sons, so I can't say this for sure, but if you <laughs> want to study marketing and you are a parent, study your daughters, because they just, they, just, they just have that knack for conversion objectives, Flint. I'm telling you, they just know it. So anyway, my daughter, she wanted a kitten. She wanted a kitten for a long time. So like, hey, dad, we should get a kitten. I'm like, oh, I do not want to get a kitten. You're not going to take care of the kitten. I'm going to take care of the kitten. So then she gets an idea. She said, dad, let's foster a kitten. Here's what fostering a kitten is. You help a cat. You help this homeless cat for a few days. You give it back. That's it. That's fostering a cat. <laughs> and so, you know, how can, how can you say no to that? How can you say no to fostering a kitten? Now, I know I know what the ultimate conversion goal is. I know we're heading there, right? But she, she, when she gets that, she gets me to say yes, that small yes, you know, brings home a one or two week kitten. She's bottle feeding it. My wife's bottle feeding it. My other daughter's bottle feeding it. You know, the fix is in. It's, it's by the time it, 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 it comes, you know, when the kit, kitten's eight months or eight weeks old and we got to give it back to the main society, that's not happening. She got her ultimate conversion goal. But again, she didn't get it by saying the objective, okay, I, this objective of what I'm communicating to my father, my landing page, is going to be, I will get the final sale. No, she's like, what can I give him that he could say yes to now easily? Low cost, high value, what can I give him? And then very, very effective. So I think that's one of the challenges we see with the objective, like you said, Flint. <laughs> they're not understanding the micro yes sequence. They're not understanding the customer journey, where someone is in the customer journey. They're going to something that we talked about before. They're just looking at their own self-interest. Right. So you mentioned something in the, the fast class. I'm going to horribly misquote it. And you can you can tell it to me correctly. It was something like when you when you get yourself out of the way then you can create your customer first objective. How did, how did you say that? You remember? Well, once you focus on the essence of what that class was about, which is designing a customer first objective, you need to pay attention first to the formulation of the title. Because it emphasizes that to get your page's performance where it needs to be, you begin with the opposite end of the spectrum. You begin not with what you want, but with what the customer wants. 
And so customer first in itself is a key. And the second piece is, if you follow that phrase through, is the word objective, because very few of us take the time with our teams to define the objective. So all three words in that simple title are vital. And what you've got to do before you can ever achieve the type of remarkable performance that we sometimes talk about from our research, you've got to begin by bringing your team together and agreeing on objective and focusing 70% of the page's energy on that single objective. And then you've got to create within that objective a prioritization of emphasis. So there are three words we taught in the FAST class, two, by, and four. Now, remember I said at the top of this uh, hour that the four questions needed to be thought about in conjunction with the FAST class and that there was a three-part framework under the objective, Q1. That's what we're talking about right now. Ultimately, go ahead, Dan. So two by, let's give it, let's give an example of two by and four, maybe. To, so sure. Can... So to help my prospective customer protect their family from an intruder at their house. I'm just making that up, guys. Or to help my prospective customer discover the best way to purchase X, i.e. we'll give them a, a guide, a download. This is lead gen. Or to help my prospective customer uh, discover the best way to replace X. Again, perhaps a service business. And the page objective starts with this too, and it starts most of all with a arrow pointed directly into the epicenter of the customer's desire. Now, that brings you to the buy. Buy, and the typical word that comes after that, if you're going to do this right, is something you're giving. By giving X. And remember the third is four. In exchange, four. That's the part that you want. So X might be a, oh, a buying guide that you give them in exchange for their basic contact information. So I'm going to start that over following that idea, to help my prospective customer make the best decision for purchasing a new roof by giving them a buyer's guide in exchange for their contact information. Now, I would add some modifiers to the word buyer's guide that emphasize the utilitarian value, that makes certain that they're getting something really valuable and that when you think about it like a fulcrum, on their side of the fulcrum, they're getting enough perceived value to outweigh the perceived cost of giving you their contact information. When you're crystal clear on that, you align at least 70%. I prefer 100, but sometimes you can't do that. At least 70% of the page is elements. It's energy driving them in a serving them is a better way to say it with this objective. You're there. What you want is there, but it's been prioritized properly so that you can truly help someone. Yeah. And when we talk about, again, that's two by and four, and you can see Flint kind of sketched that out in fast class uh, session number five on the mechlabs.com slash course. But we talk about the buy. The buy to me gets into the question too, buy. What is the most effective way to achieve it, right? And one thing I've seen 
over and over with marketers. I mean, again, this gets back to human nature. Yes. I'll give you an example from a, a case study. It's on the marketing ship website. Did with Optum and uh, a marketing leader there. And the case study it was very content marketing oriented and very successful for them. And so in the beginning, I'm asking, you know, the marketing leader. I was like, oh, great. So what other you know, content marketing campaigns did you do before you got to Optum? What's your content marketing experience? And she said, actually, I've never done a content marketing campaign before, you know? And I said, well, well, why did you do it for this one? She's like, it was the right thing to do. This is what we needed for. So when we talk about what is the most effective way to achieve it, that human flaw we have, that flaws marketers is, you know, that famous saying, when all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Whatever your experience in marketing is, that's just what we tend to roll out for the next thing and the next thing and the next thing, right? Well, you can take this in the opposite direction. You can see why we do so poorly because most of us start with what we want. I want their contact information. So we think, well, we'll give them what? A white paper or a 5% discount or whatever it is we dream up with is is ineffective because our blind spot has been engaged because we began with what we want instead of what they want. The point of a customer first objective is to overcome the blind spot created by your self-interest so suddenly you can see what you're doing through the eyes of a customer and produce something that truly is valuable enough to tip the fulcrum in favor of perceived value over the perceived cost. And this unlocks the treasure that you're aiming for with your organization. Right. And then that, I think, leads into the question three of what is the best way to test Q2? Because how do you really know? How do you know when you did this thing, if this worked? Or this is something I want to talk about too, Flint, is not only did this work, but did this work better than other options, right? So that's something you talk about a lot. You say, hey, sometimes your biggest opportunities are your highest performing pages. And we're just overlooking that because they're already doing okay. True. Uh, the second piece, the buy statement in this objective, can be tested in one of two ways. Let's suppose that you produce the buyer's guide, I said. There's only really two tests to run here. Now, you can run a whole series under these test categories, but number one is, did I communicate the value of the buyer's guide well? Am I achieving the maximum perceived value with this buyer's guide? The second is, am I offering the wrong item to begin with? It may be that no matter how well you communicate a buyer's guide, they're not going to purchase it, or they're not going to purchase it with their Free contact information. Believe me, that's a purchase. There's nothing free on the internet. And I, I share that with you to say, so there becomes the beginning of your design of experiments. You've got to do sufficient testing to make certain that you've maximized the communication of the perceived value of the buyer's guide, number one. Number two, you may have to test something else over the buyer's guide to see if that is what they will respond to. For instance, a tour of X or some other, you know, a free sample or whatever it is you can produce that gives them a genuine reason why they might exchange value with you. Yeah, and I think that also ties into question four of, you know, what shall I change in light of my test in Q1 to Q3? So I'll, I'll give you a specific example of that as we talked about, you know, actually testing it and the different things you can test. We did a case study with a software as a service company recently, and their main sign up on their homepage, which is their main landing page, was that people could sign in with Google to get the free mm -hmm. trial, right? And so they just assumed, well, that's what we should use. Well, then they kind of, when they went back and they looked at, okay, what is my objective and what's the best, most effective way to achieve it? They got this idea of let's actually survey our audience and see what they're using. And so they found their audience was actually using two other platforms a lot more than Google. I don't even remember what those platforms are right now. Uh, and so what they did is they tested, they had, you know, sign up with Google in there and then they tested with sign up with these other platforms and they're giving that option and they had a huge increase. And so that, again, gave that cyclical nature of saying like, okay, we tested it. What can we change in light of that? 
they change our entire objective from let's get people to sign in with Google versus let's use the buttons where people are actually already signed into those types of accounts, right? We can kind of hit it more where they are. Yeah, and for everyone listening, of course, this applies to all sorts of areas in life. But if you get these four questions down, this is the way you achieve a result that may be very difficult to imagine in the beginning or to conceptualize the, the way forward. It's iterative. You start by getting the real objective. Then you develop the most effective way. And then you find the best way to test that. And then you look at those results, your data, and you ask, how do I adjust one through three until I get what I'm after? This is how great companies were born. This is how great books were written. This is how great playwrights achieved a major uh, acclaim and, and impact. This is how kingdoms are won. This is how political campaigns should be executed. But for you, it's a simple way to get the result you need in your business. And if you think about that and then set that aside and focus on these other three words, two, by, and four, you can overcome your blind spot and even understand where to focus your testing energies in order to constantly drive up the value that you're delivering in exchange for the value that you're receiving. Well, when we wrap up here, Flynn, I want to ask you about kind of session six and beyond, because when we're talking about, you know, objectives and, you know, building your objectives, this isn't the flashy, exciting Super Bowl ad marketing stuff. You know what I mean? What we're talking about is the broccoli. It's doing your homework. It's the, you know, putting in the work, putting in the reps. So let's give, you know, the marketers some idea of like, okay, when you get things set up right, what does that enable you to do? What can we expect in session six and kind of heading out from there? Well, once you understand your objective, I can tell you no matter what you put down as that objective, you're going to need to achieve eight micro yeses. Each of those micro yeses are essential to winning the, the influence that produces the conclusion, that produces the decision, that produces the purchase. And so the eight micro yeses be, become the foundation of that second question, what is the most effective way? You're going to plan and structure around those eight micro yeses. And by doing that, you're not just adding modules, trying things. Websites on the internet are a collection of tries. Well, I don't know which one is best, so we'll do this, we'll put that module under this and that module. You look at WordPress, it's like 11 attempts to accomplish the same thing in most websites. There's no flow, there's no sequence, there's no rationale. These eight micro yeses will allow you to arrange all of the content you've prepared in the best order in order to achieve the conclusion that precedes the decision that precedes the action that you're after. And if you want an early look at those eight micro yeses, you can go right now to mechlabs.com slash course, download free landing page blueprint infographic. We've updated it. We've included all those micro yeses on there to help you prepare for the upcoming session. So, yeah, this is the third version. We're always updating it. So if you downloaded it a month ago, you don't have the right version. Stay with it. It's like Walt Whitman's Leaves of Grass. We just won't quit. We'll just keep <laughs> turning out additions <laughs> as the research, as the research uh, enables us to think more clearly. And keep working on ourselves too, Flint, so we're less flawed human beings, right? I agree with that. Yeah, and we're gonna we'll, we'll send that out to previous downloaders as well. So as we go out here, I want to mention. So actually, at the end of every podcast, I mentioned that Flint, you're okay with people emailing you and and reaching out to you directly. But it kind of when I say that now, it gets me thinking of the four questions we talked about. It kind of gets back to Q1 when you said, "What is my real objective?" And you got thinking, "Why do I need a landing page to get in the way when I'm just trying to communicate with people?" Yeah. So you want to talk about that and how they can email you? 
F. Dot McLaughlin, M C Capital G L A U G H L I N at MechLabs.com. I want real relationships. A lot of you worry that why don't we have more people that are watching all of these or listening? I don't mind. I just want the right people. And I want authentic, powerful connection. I want meaningful work and meaningful relationships. So reach out to me. It may take me a while. Sometimes I get overwhelmed and I dictate and I work with my team, but I try to read everyone and I try to answer everyone. Well, my objective, all I want is to really get a lot of nice comments on YouTube still and on social media. And so Flint can talk to me and say, wow, I guess people know Daniel Burstein. You are also in the I'm podcast. So, and, uh, by the way, I'm stop telling social. me that Dan and Flint and talking about how smart Dan is. I'm, I'm weary of it. Dan, you know, is like Ed McMahon on the Johnny Carson show. You know, he's, I try to tell him he's expendable, but I know the truth is he's irreplaceable. But don't tell him that, please. <laughs> I appreciate it. That's my objective. I appreciate it, everyone. So anyway, thank you. Thank you, Flint, for talking about our customer first objectives. And thanks to everyone for listening. All right. Thank you for joining us on the Marketer as Philosopher podcast with Flint McLaughlin and Daniel Burstein.